0: if you have your bibles you can open them to romans the uh, 12th chapter if you brought your uh, journals with you you can open them to romans the 12th chapter uh, i uh did not get an opportunity this week to dig around to see if there was any left but I think not but if you brought a Romans journal please get that out and get a hold of that You don't; it's not necessarily required but it would be helpful if you got it it's a good, good place to take notes and speaking of notes on the back side of your bulletin there there's a page that says notes and uh, it says notes because we're thinking You'll take notes. I, I don't know. It's, a, it's just kind of a little deal there, and and uh, so you might want to give that some thought, uh, and and do that. Okay, on Romans chapter twelve, we're looking at at uh, the book of Romans. We've been looking at the book of Romans uh, for quite a while now, and we've been going through that book and doing some study there. And uh, we got to the through eleven chapters. And if you've been through eleven chapters with us. In fact, John introduced uh, the first couple of verses of Romans uh, 12 several weeks back, and so we kind of do a little review this morning. So we're going to just take the, the first eight verses of, of Romans chapter 12 and try to bring that to life a little bit this morning as we go through this uh, scripture section of Romans. And we're looking at here the practical steps of faith. And the practical steps of faith here is is we've gone through the first 11 chapters, kind of do a quick review here. The first 11 chapters, there's this deep theological discussion that that. God, Paul, brings to light in those first 11 chapters. It talks about all those uh, theological statements, all those phrases that we use, talk about justification, glorification, uh, sanctification, goes into all those, all those heavy-duty concepts there, talks about the Jews, talks about uh, the Jews' rebellion to God and still acceptance through faith. It relates even to Abraham. It pulls the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's a G- enormous theological piece of information there uh, considered around the world for centuries as being a theological genius discussion. But when we get to 12, all of a sudden The whole train stops and it's heads on a whole new direction. Well, almost a whole new direction. Well, actually, it's not a new direction, but it's a direction of application of the first 11 chapters, which is a type or approach that Paul uses many times in his epistle accounts. He has a a theological presentation, then a a, a life application. So we're really going to be talking about practical steps of healthy faith. Uh, I, I suppose... By saying that, that suggests that there is unhealthy faith. Uh, Well, maybe not as strong a faith that you should have. I'm not necessarily saying faith is unhealthy, but maybe weaker faith when you need to be stronger faith. A lot of times, I've noticed in 50 years of ministry, people will come and say, how can I have stronger faith? And and really, the most people overthink that question completely. And I hope to kind of bring that home to you this morning. But how can you have a strong, healthy faith in, in your walk with Christ? Okay, let's take a look at the first verse here, uh, and just kind of a little bit of review here of John, uh, verse Romans chapter one. The first verse is dedicate, and this is a fairly this is a real popular verse that people seem to cling to often or go to often. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, pleasing unto God. And uh, so, so you can, when, when this transitions here, Paul moves into, the, he's starting in now, the application of, of those first uh, verses, first 11 chapters. So basically what Paul's saying, if you got a hold of anything in the first 11 chapters, this is what you do with it. This is what you do with it, and and so there the therefore is a big therefore. It wraps up eleven chapters of therefore. So therefore, uh, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies the living sacrifices. And uh, and we're talking about brothers. And even though he uses the masculine term brothers, this also means sisters. So I don't want any of your sisters. the people are left out. Well, if you use the term brothers, this is brothers and sisters. The whole body of Christ is involved here. Now I know that the big there's a big. Uh, um, market out there that says you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus I hear that quite often well that is a good thing to have but if you got that you've got brothers and sisters it just comes with that package I know you may not be just, just smiling like crazy about brothers and sisters but that comes with it it's kind of like your family you, you have to get them, you, they're there you, it's not your choice. And, and so, But it comes with it. So if we've got brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy. God gives mercy. I know this is really hard to grab hold of. but I, You may not really believe this, but God gives mercy to me just like he gives mercy to you. And I know you probably think there are times he shouldn't really give quite so much mercy to me because you know something that I don't really, you know. But we all kind of think that about each other. I deserve the mercy. Maybe not Willie so much. But me. Okay, but God gives mercy to all brothers and sisters here and offer your bodies the living sacrifices. And, and the word here, offer, it might be kind of a, if you make a reservation at, at a restaurant or a hotel and you sit down and they, and, they, and they hold your reservation, that means that table is reserved for you. And so what you're doing when you come into a relationship with Christ, personal as it may be, that relationship that you have with Christ is that you, I, that you have, God is claiming, and you're making a statement that this life, this body, is going to live for Christ. That that's your statement that you're making there, that you're going to make a living sacrifice instead of a dead sacrifice. Uh, going back, pulling the whole eleven chapters on the altars of the of the Jewish altars. No, you're going to be a live sacrifice with your with your life, which is your reasonable or your which is your spiritual worship. So basically, your life in your body is what you give to God because when you come right down to it he doesn't want your car he doesn't want your house he doesn't want your clothes he doesn't want your shoes he doesn't want your your bank account he doesn't want your savings account he wants you and that's all you got really I can guarantee you, if you were on your last breath and somebody walked up to you in the hospital bed and said, I have this little pill that if you swallow, you'll be 100% cured and well. And you swallowed it and you jump up and you're saying, Now life can begin again because I got body again. As my health goes, it's gone. And Paul is making, tying this in, nitty gritty. Your life, your living sacrifice to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so you made a reservation. It's going to be a reservation there. And you're in in the game all the way, all the way in, body and soul. Here i got a question for you. What two NBA athletes play basketball with deformed feet? What? And? LeBron. LeBron James, the king, the king of basketball, have deformed feet. Now, were they born with deformed feet? No. Nope. Can they buy expensive basketball shoes? Yes. Can they buy the best, most expensive basketball shoes? Yes. How come they've got four feet? Because they are all in. They don't just show you what they can do at the game. It's before the game. And when nobody's around, they're practicing and they're running game. They're in. Remember, guys, those real cool posters of Jordan or LeBron doing a quick break, and he's fast break, and he's coming around, and it looks like he's on the side of his his soles of his shoes, and he's cutting around the guy, and the guy's standing there thinking, where did he go? I was blocking him here. He's done that so much and practiced it so much and was all in it with his body that his feet got formed. Uh, all in is the key here. All in, but not all in here. But I'll be dedicated. But also, this is the really rub. Uh, this is this is the whole story here. It's not just dedicated, but it is. It is eliminate. Be dedicated and eliminate. That's the push. That's the problem we have. It's very difficult for us. To eliminate stuff. How did those guys get so good? Because it made it priority. Ever watched uh, those pictures of the early pictures of, uh, of Michael Jordan when he f- first retirement, <laughs> one of the retirements these guys, and, and he tried to do baseball? Ever see that? He'd bend down to get a ball and it'd go between his legs. You can't rely upon your 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 birth skills. You got to get in there, and you've got to decide. And they decided it's going to be all this in basketball and no baseball. And, and so there, there is a need to, to eliminate those things. Now, there's, Jesus says, seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. It's a matter of being able to say, what is the most important thing in my life? And, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but life really, it really goes by quick, doesn't it? And it's going to go by so fast you don't even know it's happened. And I know, I understand when you're younger, it seems like it's just a kind of a slow motion deal. But it is not nearly as slow as you think. And it will zip by, gone. So you need to decide someplace along the line here, what's going to be your priority? What are you going to, and it's not, and a lot of things in life are really good. It's really, there's a lot of these things in life, it's really, you know, houses, uh, cars, boats, clothing, worldly adventures, sports, music, art, family. They're all good things. But if that is the the obsession, if that's everything, and you don't invest in a relationship with Christ and live it out in the flesh, you're missing it see, the, the, the philosophical system of the Greeks, the philosophical system of the Romans, and most of the philosophical systems, uh, theological systems of, of Eastern, Eastern religions, it's not about the body. It's about kind of some mystical thing. But the scriptures, Old Testament, especially the Jewish Old Testament, it says, God has an interest in what you do with your body. And we all know this to be true. A few years ago, a um, rather bright young man at his time, he came up and put together with his staff a advertising uh, program for his, for his corporation, and, and he came up with an advertising motto, and you may remember that motto, think different, Steve Jobs, and when he started pushing that model, most of you did not have one of these, how many have one of these? You thought different, didn't you? Do not be conformed. The word you're conformed is don't copy. Don't pattern. It's so easy just to follow the leader. And the big surprise in life, the leader doesn't know where he's going. So, it's no longer of the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Big key here, in, in, in order to eliminate, is get with what is God's priorities. Because, just like if Steve Jobs could figure out, if I can just get inside your head enough, I will convince you of something that you can't walk out of your house without. If we can just get in our head as Christians, we need to have Jesus Christ in our life, and we can't live without Jesus Christ and His Word in our lives in order to make it, this life really work for us. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing perfect will. A lot of people come, I just know what God wants me to do, I just know what God wants me to do. Well, they don't know what God's Word is, so it's really difficult to make that judgment. And then it just takes somebody to come along and say, well, if you don't know what to do, i got an idea what you can do. I'll talk you into that. I'll make it look so good, your life will be so much better and so much convenient. In fact, you can even wear one on your arm. So there's things that have to be eliminated. That is the rub here. I'm going to dedicate my life. And I know there's a lot I can do with my life. But some things have to take the back seat, not the driver's seat of my life. Every one of us have to make those decisions. And they come and go sometimes, those decisions, but that has, that has got to be a foundation to that decision. The next thought here is the part of that third verse as we begin beginning here as he starts to even make the application more, is to evaluate. By the grace given to me, now this is Paul speaking. By the grace given to me, Apostle Paul, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Now when he says, by the grace given to me, another wording of this in some other translations, the grace accorded to me. And the interesting here, the grace, in what we're going to look at here, is giftedness. comes from the same root word as charis, as giftedness. Paul is, by the grace accorded to me, I say to everyone. So what he's saying here, and this is a foundational issue of uh, Christianity that most of us really aren't plugged into, because Paul is taking, making a statement here, I, as an apostle, have something that I am telling you that you need to do. This is not a preacher telling you. It's not Alan telling you. This is the apostle Paul telling you, through the inspiration of the word of God, saying... This is what God gave me to tell you to do. So this, and Ephesians' letter says, this is the foundation of our faith. It's based upon the apostles. And the apostles have authority that necessarily, we're going to come to later, like prophets, or more, more local, and more speaking that way. But Paul says, "I according to you, that you ought not think more high of yourself than you ought, but rather think of yourself soberly in judgment, in accord with the measure of faith God has given you. Now, there's a lot of measuring in this scripture here, and there's kind of two parts of this measuring here. There is our us our, our of our lives and our abilities that we have to offer in this body is to be measured by the authority of Christ in our life. So Jesus must be the authority and the worker in our life, but Paul also adds something else here. He says, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. And it's really easy to think that we're kind of all the prize-winning pup but Paul says, here's, here's a clue you've got to get a hold of in life. You all have giftedness. I have giftedness. You have giftedness. We all have abilities. Uh, today's Living Translation, uh, New Living Translation, used, in front of gifts, they use the word abilities. It's, it's, not a bad, it's not a bad word to use there. Everybody has gifts and abilities. And, and, and this, we're going to look at that a little bit more. But these gifts and abilities are different for every person. They're not all the same. And, and there's different mixes in it. Um, but but here that, that is one thing that you need to know: Jesus Christ through the gift and abilities. And and I really think this. And I've talked to a lot, I've talked to some really gifted and talented people, and that aren't necessarily doing what you thought that they should have been doing. But they made it a priority, saying that is not the gift that I that I'm that God has actually asked me to emphasize. I'm going to have to other gifts. Here's another thing that I think people don't get a closer read of the New Testament when it comes to New Testament gifts. They're usually, the fact almost I think the word that is used there is gift is plural, which means I don't. Oh, I don't have very much gifts. The Bible says gifts. Most of us have more than one. We're multi-gifted in many different ways and, and, and that we need to learn to use them and tap into that gift. But you have gifts and abilities and gifts and abilities so that you're willing to grow and, but do not think more highly of yourself. And that's a real danger with gifts. And you, everybody in this room has seen many a people with many of great spectacular gifts crash and burn. That almost seems like the, the nature of giftedness. Go read about the great blues players and instrumentalists. Whoa, that is a depressing life end story. So much giftedness and so much crash and burn. So there's a real danger here with the way that God has magnificently formed you and made you. But we have to evaluate that and do that. Now, cooperate. Cooperate. Paul moves on to from there, and he says, "Just as each of us has one body, has one body, many members. These members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many from one body, each member belongs to all the others." Now he kind of goes into and then an the anatomy lesson here. Now, this is not un, this anatomy lesson is pretty common every time gifts are used. In fact, I'm just going to tell you it's. Almost always used as, a, as the illustration to talk about giftedness. And here's kind of a checklist you can write down on your notes page. Is every minister, or I'm sure every believer is a minister. Every believer is a minister. Every believer has different functions. Yes, there's upfront functions. There's behind the scene functions. And there's in between functions by people. And that every believer, as every believer must be, it's a corporate relationship. We are interdependent upon each other. Jesus said it this way, I came to serve, but to, but I did not come to to be served, but to serve. Lose your life, find your life. You want to be great? Learn to be a servant. The word charis is the root word for gift and joy. It works together. It's hooks together. But it's a corporate relationship. I'm not sure the church totally grasped this any place. The glory of coming together on Sunday morning is, yes, to worship Christ and to celebrate each other. Paul said, you in the book of Philippians, you are my gift and joy. And, and we 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 it's not like oh I gotta go to church. there's some joy missing somewhere along the line of understanding. And when I know your presence living out your giftedness gives me hope it raises my spirit I'm not alone I can make another week because you have made an investment in Christ and in living out your giftedness strengthens me that is power folks and when we understand that as a body of Christ we can make an emphasis on our communities Peter Desmond, one uh, little comment here on relationship, uh, being corp- corporate, cooperate and giving our gifts to each other. It's each of us you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in various forms. Now, th- this section here is almost one of the shortest sections here, but Peter just says, he doesn't give any real list. He just says, if you speak, speak for the Lord. If you're here and you can move your tongue, then do it for the Lord. Of course, James has a lot to say about her tongues because her tongues really screw things up. And then uh, again, and uh, uh, he talks of co- to, to activate those gifts, to cooperate together in the body, but he says that we need to activate those gifts. Paul says we all have different gifts. The word here, different gifts, almost every gift list is we all have different gifts. We all have different gifts. We all have different gifts. Have different gifts. It's really hard for us to let other people, you're different than me. That's a good thing. Isn't it? We're different. The only place we have struggled with understanding that is being married. Right? How come she doesn't act like me? Brother. That's not why you really married her, was it? <laughs> Okay, we have different gifts. According to the grace given us, if man's gift is prophecy, let him use it. And also understand, and I know here's one thing in these gifts, and I'm going to get to the minute here. They're not all the same. What is wrong with these people? They're not all the same. If a man's gift is prophecy, let him exercise. The new American standard says let, says let this NIV said let, let us use it in accordance with our faith. Remember that word, accordance with the measure of our faith. Let us, let us use it with the measure of faith that we've got. And then and then the next slide on activate a little bit more on this verse. It says it's serving, let him serve; as teaching, let him teach. I mean, serving and teaching are almost foundational gifts in the New Testament. In fact, if you just had a sponge here, and bring that out, you'd get a lot of water of teach and serve. In fact, Jesus he made a big deal of saying, I came to serve, I came to serve, I came to serve, I came to serve. Strange, we can't figure that out. We can't figure that out. can't figure that out. Or are we looking at Jesus' interested in serving? And are interested in teaching? And teaching doesn't necessarily mean you know everything. Teaching just means, I did some research, and I've learned it, and I've studied it, and I'm invested in it, and I'm going to share it, which most of us all do. If you're a parent, you're a teacher. If you're a grandparent, you're a teacher. If your life, most generally, you have taught something in your life. Then Paul goes on to say in the next, if, if it's encouraging, let him encourage. The word here is if, it is, if you are a paraclete. Not a parakeet, but a paraclete. If you, are, if you are a coming alongside person, that's what encouragement your Coming along, Barnabas was the a, was a son of encouragement. You come alongside someone, you put your arm around them, you're able to talk to them, you're able to build a relationship. If that's your gift in us, then build relationship. Get in there and do that. Uh, let him, if it's giving, let him give generously it's interesting there that people that, have, that give generously that have the capacity to really uh, earn money see opportunity and see how, how to invest it's, it, 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 it'll, it'll just like uh, J- uh, J- uh, Jason's uh, community meditation this morning talked about Rockefeller, how much more do I need? I just need a little bit more and sort of become the thing that you're building in life ends up strangling your life Generosity prevents that monster from happening. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. I think that leadership, we, we, the church is so need for leadership. When you heard Josh up here talking about uh, school, uh, Hope with the Ozarks, he was talking about ministry needs. He was talking about being able to minister and bring people back. But we need people to step up and be leaders. I'm not asking, we're not talking about being a, a field marshal. We're not talking about being a general. We're just talking about leading out and taking responsibility and being the point person and being able to get something done don't like the society that you're living in, you don't like the neighborhood that's around you, you don't like the nation that where it's going, then step up and lead with your giftedness. Just step out and do that. Uh, I, I think that it's so interesting. Jesus was a leader, obviously, but notice who he was leading, a bunch of doom coughs. I know we're all superior to those people, but just but notice how he did that. I mean, he knew he knew what they were going to say before they said it. But he let them say that stupid thing. <laughs> and, and, but, he, but he worked on their lives. He knew what was going to be the end of their life. But he diligently kept working with them. I know it's sometimes a f- frustration. Lead. I know you're already thinking of an excuse. Lead. Do what your leader asks you to do. Lead. Showing mercy, let it do it cheerfully. And you, I'm certainly grateful many times that I end up in some emergency room. There's a nurse there, and she has the gift of mercy and the way she is kind and gentle and building her bridge in a time when I am down. And her people just know how to love people that are down with such gentleness and kindness, The New Testament gives us these lists of, of the uh, gifts uh, Romans has a list, 1 Corinthians has a list, uh, Romans has 7, 1 Corinthians has 17, Ephesians has a list of about 4 or 5, and 1 Peter, some people don't even put 1 Peter on the list, but 1 Peter has a couple of little generic statements in there without identifying a giftedness. But these are the, this is the whole game of the game. And all the fussing and all the fights we've seen in churches over giftedness, most of them are over, over the, the gifts that are supernatural gifts, and none of them are about the practical gifts. Yeah! doesn't work that way does it yeah we want to be uh, we don't really want to be up front but we would like some attention but we mature but uh, Paul says but, but that's the that's there's where the three lifts gifts are purpose for the gifts um, it, it, he gives this purpose for the gifts uh, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 is kind of melded in there into that gift list and it says it's to develop unity it's to bring us together it's to bring us together you asked what makes a great football team a great basketball team a great whatever team you want to come up with especially like that it's teamwork it's teamwork it's teamwork and when we work together one of the greatest things the devil has that crushes the church across the land and every community is divide the body of Christ. That's his game. And that's been his game for a long time, is divide. Let's divide Adam and Eve. Let's divide their fathers. Let's divide their sons. Let's divide the marriage. Let's divide the children. Let's divide the church. That's always there. That's the dirty little uh, disease that strikes. He, he comes and strikes us. And when we are thinking we're the, the best pup, prize pup in the litter, then we are so easily can get caught up in, in, in that. Because we don't think soundly. Develop unity to give us knowledge. Develop our spiritual maturity and also to give us love. In, in that uh, fourth chapter, when Paul uh, shares that verse of Scripture there, Paul ends that one verse, he says, from him who the, bo- whole bo- uh, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself in the love as each part does its work. And notice it says, as each part does its work and builds itself up in love. Here's one thing I've seen many, many times. You've seen this, you've thought this, I've thought this. I've, as a minister, whether you're sitting in the pew, you'll find people, they come and go, they come and go out of churches, and they're looking for, is this a church that's going to love me? Is this a church that's going to love me? Is this going to please, is this, Am I going to feel warm here? Am I going to feel accepted here? Am I going to am I going to feel like I can belong here? You know what the big key to that is 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 a love key, and the love key of a church is based upon people functioning in the body of Christ. That's what the love key. It's it's, it's just you know I I've, I've heard some editorials and some radio news reels on the war and the Ukraine. And I was amazed a couple weeks ago, I, they did an on-the-field report, and they were reporting on the field medics. The medics that were taking care of the wounded Ukrainian soldiers and Russian soldiers. And these medics, they, you, you, they interviewed them because they, they had a break to the, get them off the front line. And they were talking, and you could tell these medics loved each other because they had been on the field together in the fight, in the thick of it. And they came back together. And you could feel it. You can feel it over the radio. And you can feel it when you walk in the church building. What, are they, what is it that we're looking for? What is we're craving? It's people that stood, served in the game. They've been there. They've done it. And they love me too. Maturity and love. So if you're bored, get in the game. It's like, you notice those clips there from Hope of the Ozarks, the kids at the swimming pool? Notice what the kid did when you first clipped on him? The shot was, he ran and what? He ran and what? Jumped in the pool! <laughs> I like people, I wish I was having fun like those people were. I wish people know my name. I wish people would splash me and laugh. Wish it would happen to me. Get in the pool. Get in the pool. When a church is an organism and not an organization, it's a church of God. I don't want an organization here, I don't want a club here. I want a church. That is run by the Spirit of Christ in you. That's what we want. That's the difference. That's the it factor. That's the attraction. People don't identify it. They don't know what it is. But it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. When we become an organization, what happens in your organization? It's all about maintenance. And it then starts getting all about maintenance. If you want to maintain the status quo, you've got to have finances to do that. And the goal, we work on all those same old planes year after year after year after year. And don't discover the goal is to be an organism where Christ is demonstrated through each individual life. We operate on spiritual gifts, not elections, not bylaws. We are called to function. Okay, how do you discover your gifts? Examine, study, and discuss the Word of God. That's what this, what's good to be in groups or Sunday school, to open the Bible, to look at them. It just opens up an unbelievable amount of information. Experiment. Try something. Try something. I, and the previous church in Seattle we had a gifts class and we did it every sunday morning and we brought in uh uh we had we had a this, this, the guy when i first went there i went to that class and the guy that gave the class he was so slick i thought whoa is he a presenter or what found out he was the pr director of a big bank in seattle and that's what he did for a living man he could cut you before you slice you before you knew where you cut Man, he could put, and he was so good at it. And the people would had these little books, you can get all kinds of books on discovering your gift That's all right. You can try those. Not, it's worth doing. So we gave them these little booklets, and you give the gifts, and the gifts, and the us, and, the and, the and, then, and then people would say, okay, what did you say on the gifts? Oh, I'm this kind of person. Oh, I'm this kind of person. Oh, I'm this kind of person. And then we'd laugh and talk, and it was just fun. Forty people walk out of the class. Next class come in, 40 more people. Same thing. We did that for months and months and months. And, and looking at the, uh, the need for service in the church, started looking at the list. Well, God, where's all these people with all those gifts? <laughs> and then we came on this bright solution. Let's, at the end of the class, instead of giving them big dinner, let's have each person from each of the gift areas come and present their gifts and making a personal appeal from that gift area. Here's what happened. So we had the guy in charge of building maintenance come in. Here's Joe. We know Joe and staff. He's a good old guy. He handles everything. Place is running up here. For one snow a year, sometimes he gets it off. But anyway, here's Joe. (laughs) And Joe, he was a maintenance guy. He wasn't a cell guy. And He said, oh, wait a minute, that's not Joe's rap. had a psychologist friend in Boise. We got talking about gifts. He says, Alan, I know people got the, you know, the Myers-Briggs test and this and all these other tests and find your your niche and your giftedness and all that stuff. He says, really, he says, Alan, he says, it's kind of like a swirl cone. Where you get chocolate and vanilla? Have you ever took taken a swirl cone and kind of dove into it with your fingers? And maybe there's a little chocolate on the top, but have you ever tried to follow that chocolate down? Pretty soon it disappears, and then some vanilla. And then all of a sudden there's chocolate and, there's, and He says we're kind of swirl cones. We're kind of swirled with our giftedness. And it's, it's not, we're all different, we're all swirl different, and so it takes different giftedness. It isn't just to go there and celebrate the class, oh look at my swirl. <laughs> it's, now what am I going to do with the swirl? So give it a try, experiment in something. Just give it a try. Don't worry about messing up. We're all mess ups, right? Let's just get that out of the way right now. Now we not got that out of the way. So we all can do something. We all can do that. We're also self-conscious. Get over your self-consciousness. I know that's easy for me to say and difficult, maybe for you to do or think, or me to do and think many times, many times. I've, resigned. I've pulled back too. But the thing is, I know I've got to give myself a boot. Get out there, Ellen. Quit that double-talk lying to yourself and other people. Do it. Because everybody knows it already. All right, exercise. Commit to something. Yeah, yeah. Say, I I will do that. (laughs) And then when you do that, you even get a better view of what your giftedness is. Because after you do it several times, sometimes it wears out on you. You say, you know, I'm good for the first five minutes on this, but the second five minutes, I don't work so good on it. But that giftedness does help. Okay, so commit to something. So uh, so, it would not be right to have a message on giftedness without a take-home. Wouldn't you say that would be a practical application of this sermon? Nobody? Oh, thank you, John. Okay, for John's desire here, we can't shortchange John, let's try to put some wheels on the wagon. Next Sunday, you won't be here, right? Right. You're going to be at the park at 10 o'clock. Okay, let's take a look at a list here. Church in the Park, next Sunday at 10 o'clock, express your gifts. We need at least 20 chili makers, and we need at least 50 dessert makers. That list is out there in the lobby on that table. Okay. I mean, we're not, I'm not asking you to, uh, you know, go to Mars. I'm just asking you to... Put your name on a piece of paper. I mean, you're not making dessert all your life. Just one time. Just truly one time. Okay, next slide. How about this one? Express your gifts. Loading team, 8 p.m. Wednesday evening. Oh, sorry. It's covered. We have that taken care of. 212 is going to do that Wednesday evening. Next gift. We need a setup team at the pavilion, the large pavilion. At set up team at 8:15 a.m. Excuse me, at 8.15 a.m., we need seven people. Just so happens that list is out there on that table. Just happens to be out there on that table. There's a pin there. If someone steals your pin, there's a whole bunch of pins there. <laughs> so you can do that. Next one on the, on there is uh, we need a security team at 815. We need five people on the security team. How many of you believe there's a list out there for that? (laughs) Okay, three or four of you getting the idea. Okay, the next one here is there is also a parking team uh, list, pavilion parking team that is needed at 9.15. We need five people for that. Yes, and there's a list for that out there, too. And then we also have a communion team. We have, need six people for our communion team. So that list is out there also. Go out there, look at the list, and I realize that you might be in a situation where there may be another brother or sister in Christ hopefully standing in front of you. Now, here's the deal to that. That is not an excuse. That means you grab a pen, and there's actually four sheets of paper there, but there's two laying on top of each other identical on these on these serving lists. Just be patient a moment and put it down there. Put your name down there. We need to know and it. ask for your name and contact information and uh, and be able to do that and uh, so uh, and the last verse here again. Uh, is the verse I quoted to you before from him Christ the whole body joined together by every supporting lyri grows and builds itself up in love in love as each part does its work. I tell you what, you know it's amazing me how much time and effort churches put in and trying to find the right preacher. It's never been about the right preacher. It's been about us, the body of Christ. I mean, Jesus was a right preacher. And he said, I'm leaving. Now it's yours. Learn to serve. Are you familiar with the red bandana story? Let me give you the story real quickly here. There was a young man, his name was Wells Crother. He was a graduate of Boston College. He was 24 years old, and he had a job in the 108th floor of the Twin Towers as an equity trader. His dad and him went to the same college, graduated from the same college, and when he was a small boy, 6 years old, his dad gave him, because they were both really big in sports, at Boston College, and his dad gave him a red bandana. and he wanted to follow the footsteps of his dad and one of the things his dad did uh, even though that he was a businessman he was also a a volunteer fireman and when he got old enough at 16 he became a junior volunteer fireman and followed that just on the side of his career as a banker, investor, and an equity trader and, and his talented life and his talented sports life and when the t- planes ran into the, the Twin Towers It was Wells that went in to the towers, went down from his 108th floor, and spent 76 minutes in the towers. And the story goes that people were led to safety by Wells. And he would say, I found the stairs, follow me. He carried a woman down 15 flights of stairs on his back, while leading others to safety. He urged them to go down when they were confused and go in the wrong direction. And then he headed back up. Upstairs, a badly injured woman was sitting on a radiator when the man with a red bandana over his face came running across the room and said, follow me, I know the way out. I will lead you to safety. Then he led several survivors to the stairwell and took them to safety, and then he was never seen again. There was a lot of people talking about the man, with a red bandana. He just kept it in his desk drawer. His gift apparently was generosity. But he was multiple gifted and the greatest gift that he ever gave was a gift of serving. Six months later when they started going to the ground floor and uncovering the bodies alongside the firemen was the man with the red bandana. There are children in this community that need to be taught in our Sunday school class. They need teachers. They need couples and husbands and wives to stand up and teach. Now, that's going to be an elimination there for your schedule. It's going to be some elimination. But if you're going to have activation, it may need to be done. We need Wells Crothers in our body. that go into the difficult places, the difficult things, and serve others with your giftedness, with your abilities. If you're bored crazy, come on. Step up, give it a shot. If you're the winning pup, you might find out a little different. You need to do something else. But do something else. Serve the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, it's so easy for us to just get doing the same old, same old. And just feeling good old comfortable about it. And never daring to take the leap. We want the joy. But we want it without investment. Lord, when, when will we get it in our heads? Living sacrifice. Living life. Giving life. God, you know our little stories we tell you, how phony they are. Help us, Lord, to be honest with you today and all our life before our time is gone. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.